Hi, I'm Madeline Peterson, and if you're a filmmaker or screenwriter, I have a festival that you should definitely submit to. It's called First Frame International Film Festival. The festival is in its inaugural year, and their mission is to create the bridge to opportunity from your first frame. This industry is about who you know, and because of that, a good amount of talented filmmakers and screenwriters go undiscovered. We want to share our resources and connections to undiscovered talent so that they have a chance to be seen and succeed. We are on Film Freeway and Festome. You can submit those projects there. And you can follow us on Facebook at First Frame IFF. And if you want a promo code, my email is madelinefirstframe at gmail.com. Once again, the festival is First Frame International Film Festival. And if you want a promo code, my email is madelinefirstframe at gmail.com. Thank you. All right, Brian's here, and he knows it's dedication time. So, Brian, uh, what would you like to dedicate this episode to? I would like to dedicate this episode, uh, of course, to my children, um, to my uh, fiance, and um, for supporting me and putting up with uh, with acting and everything that comes <laughs> with it, and also to uh, Leia, uh, who uh, co-starred in um, Cycle. Leia Koshlis. Yeah, yeah, very. Very extremely talented uh, actress, musician. I mean, oh, dancer. Yes. I, don't, I mean, the list I think goes on and on. Uh, but she uh, was kind enough to uh, help me with a lot of castings and gave me a lot of coaching on acting, which led to n- nearly all the films I've done since Cycle. And uh, I'm extremely grateful for that and uh, I've grown quite a bit as an actor uh, because of her. So thank I agree. you so much. Let's do it with uh, dedicated to Leah. All right, we're back with Brian Christofano. Christofano. Yeah. So I've been saying it wrong the whole. I say Christof Christofono. Have you? I've been saying phono, and you haven't been correcting me. That's all right, because I have. You spelled it correct on my check. Yes, I did. (laughs) (laughs) I made sure of that. Right. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's uh, it's 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 that's a common thing. It's it's Christofano been butchered uh, a million and one ways, but it it's. uh, Christofano, I get Christofano a lot. Is is almost my, synonymous with my <laughs> with uh, with Christofano, but yeah. and there's been a lot worse. Um, yeah, yeah, I got a well, last name that's been butchered. So sure, yeah. So yeah, so it's it's Italian. I got a, I got that right. That's right. Yeah. yeah. So when we did Psycho, we had two Italians. Yeah. Joe, Joe, and you. Yeah. 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 Did you, sw- you swap recipes when you're on set? When I wasn't looking. <laughs> <laughs> we, did, we didn't get to the recipes. Uh, <laughs> um, no, that uh, Joe. Um, yeah, he's a, he was a good guy. I enjoyed working with him. All right. And uh, yeah, it was. It's always nice working with uh, another eye tie. Yeah. So, uh, Brian. Yeah. With an eye. So you're you're normal, right? Yeah. Well, I'm not normal, but but, right. but I. Brian yes. with the Brian with the Y is usually the crazy ones. Brian, yeah. Brian with the I is usually yeah. So. Yeah, yeah, I'm the I'm the Brian with the eye, <laughs> for sure, but definitely not uh, far from normal. And then before acting, you got you did we, we well, before we got started, but, but you used to do music, but you still do, but you used to be in a band like I did. Yeah, I uh, I did music for geez twenty years. I started well, I started playing guitar when I was thirteen, 
and uh, I used to hide it. Uh, kind of grew up in a kind of conservative uh, home, and uh, being rock and roll was kind of not the thing to pursue or to right. be in a band. So I used to spend a lot of time. You know, uh, I, I I got a, I think I treated my guitar for uh, my guitar. I'm sorry, my skateboard for a guitar. A friend of mine found in a trash can, and um, the guitar was in the trash. Yeah, he found it by his house, and it had a crack in it. And um, I thought it was the coolest thing in the world, so I gave him my my skateboard. Which, not to date myself, but the late '80s was skateboards were you know the coolest thing. I never could figure out how to do it. Really? No, I, I didn't have the mechanics. I had a I had an awful bike, so I used to use that just have that. But yeah, I could never master. I can't even snowboard, so uh-huh. I can't. Oh, snowboarding, that's a whole different beast. Yeah, the skateboard and snowboard, I just can't balance. I don't, I'm awkward a little bit like that. Yeah. Was it an acoustic? No, it was an electric. It was, it was a, electric. It was like a Fender knockoff. It looked uh, like a, you know, red, red and black, uh, like a 1950s looking Fender. It wasn't uh, a Fender. Um, but anyways, I would play that and uh, I'd listen to anything I could get my hands on at 13, you know, a lot of times it'd be like old stuff, like from Buddy Holly to Elvis to, you know, then the sixties, the who, uh, you know, yeah. s- steal my old man's records and listen to the Rolling Stones and the who and the Beatles and just study them and, and how they made this noise and how the, how the guitar did this and that. And slowly taught myself how to play Uh high school, joined a band and uh, we played together we got together senior year and we played for 20 years. So you did the guitar and sing? Yeah, I played guitar, uh, wrote the music and, uh, and sang. And uh, we did that. We put out three albums and we toured. We picked up a manager um, out of London. Okay. And uh, All right, you're really going, going serious now. Yeah, yeah in our yeah. mid-20s. We, we used to play, I mean, we used to play the dives in Minneapolis nonstop and um, you used to have to hustle, give out tickets, and you'd circle your name, and they'd count how many came back. And yeah. that would dictate how much money you'd, you'd make or if you'd move up. And we did that for years. And um, well, I remember, little, uh, I'm trying to think of, like, what was what was Triple Rock called at the time? And that was Oh. Yeah. I mean, you probably I, played there. Uh, yeah, we played there. Seven Corners was pretty busy in Minneapolis, too. Seven yeah. Corners was busy. We used to play, you know, well, a little bit down from there, the Caboose. Oh gosh, yeah. Uh, we used yeah. to play Seventh Street, which was always fun because we'd get built in with usually like ten other bands that were from out of town, and you'd have about twenty minutes. Yeah. And as soon as you were done, literally, they would grab your drum set and your gear. They would open the door behind the stage that let out and just fire to you the street yep. and just put it on the street. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> Yeah. You're trying to watch. You're like, wait, mate, that's my drums. Yeah, yeah they're, they're trying to watch your stuff from not getting stolen, and you know they put it on the street. And, um, <laughs> so it was, yeah. it was, it was fun. It was a lot of hassle and hustle, but uh, we were able to put out three records. Did uh, you guys remember Quest, which uh, Target Field is on top of right now, Twin Cities? Oh yeah, it was it had yep. two, double floor. It had a main floor with no set of floor with a stage in the middle, and then you had an upper stage. Yeah, that was a big club. And I, I yeah, that's I, I remember that people, you know, have the big mosh and people would just jump off of the upper deck and just participate. That yeah, was a crazy yeah. venue. Yeah, that yeah. was that was crazy when um, Fine Line we played. Banana, yeah. was it Banana Joe's? What the hell? It was another big club. In Minneapolis. Yeah. Sounds sounds familiar. There's that we one. We didn't get in there. Where am I been? <laughs> no? We did mostly St. Paul. Okay. Yeah, yeah, St. Paul was good. We played Ryan's back in the day, which was 4th uh, and Sibley. I think they call it... Uh, 
Sibley Street, Fourth Street Station now. Yeah, that was the one that's hard to get into because it's like one ways all around. Like one way, okay, how do you get it? Yeah, <laughs> like, oh, yeah. we gotta go route. Right, yeah. yeah, one way again. It's like, yeah. dang it. <laughs> it was it. It was a that was a tough bar too. Uh, you know, a lot of a lot of tough characters there. Hard blue collar, you know, metal yeah. heads, and we definitely weren't metal. And, uh, we were more <laughs> punk rock, and uh, yeah, we we came close to. Uh, uh, I, one of the guys in the band wanted a cigarette one time. He said, well, my jacket's over there. They're in, in my jacket. And he goes over, he starts digging through a jacket. And this biker comes up to him, you know, grabs him. And uh, you know, says, what the f- are you doing? And the kid <laughs> goes, well, I- I'm trying to get a cigarette. And he realized he was in the wrong jacket. Oh. <laughs> and, uh, oh. Yeah, so that was the end of the night badly. But the St. Paul was fun, too. Uh, yeah. Then we played Mill City Music Fest uh, with Prince and Semisonic was kind of the highlight near the end of our career. Well, um, both bands from Minnesota, right? So, yeah, 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 and, and uh, did a tour in Europe. Uh, we played London, uh, Berlin, Hamburg, a bunch of smaller cities in Germany, and a few smaller ones in uh, like Newcastle in England. And came back here, and uh, and then we had a, a small record label that, that put us up at Cannon Falls. There used to be a place called Pachyderm. I don't know if they're still around. Yeah, I don't know. And it's uh, it's this cool place. Well, I know that I know Cannon Falls was a place where you go. Yeah, they have a mansion that you live in. This old big house with an indoor pool, and then you walk down the trail to the to the studio, and you record it. Yep. And uh, Nirvana did in utero uh, there a few months before we were there, and uh, they're showing us the pictures uh, uh, from when they were there, and a whole bunch of bands have been in there. So and you're you're releasing a big open secret in Minnesota. You go to Cannon Falls to record your album. There's, there's a, yeah, there's a lot of, <laughs> lot of good people that, that snuck into that studio. But uh, so it was, a, it was a fun time. Um, and then the, the band, you know, eventually everybody grew up, and you know, I went into firefighting and that. Uh, but I did put out, I did two more records uh, by yourself. Yeah, yeah. Uh, one I went down to Sun Studios. Uh, I remember a friend told me he just came back from Memphis and he said, Hey, I was at Sun Studios. And if, if anybody listening doesn't know, Sun Studios. Sun Records. Yeah, Sun Records yeah. is where uh, everybody started. That was a little tiny record uh, studio, recording studio on the main street in Memphis. And Elvis was a truck driver in Memphis. He stopped in to make a record for his mom. You could pay like, you know, five bucks at the time and record something. And he recorded and that was the birth of Elvis. He recorded there. He got huge. They sold him off. Jerry Lee Lewis started there. Johnny Cash yeah, yeah, walked yeah. in Roy Orbison. So a friend of mine came back there and said, Yeah, it's uh, it's still a studio. You can you can record there. They'd let people record overnight when they're not doing tours. And I said, No no crap. <laughs> uh, so within two weeks I was down there. Um, with the bass player from the band, and then I, uh, we, we contracted a drummer out of Memphis. And I, I think everybody forget, it's in Memphis, it's not in Nashville. Yeah, did I say yeah. Nashville? Uh, no, 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 I just want to remind you, because I screwed up. I, we, I stayed one night in Nashville, and I was asking people, where is Sun Records? And they're like, you're in the wrong town, baby. <laughs> yeah, a, few, a few hours away. <laughs> yeah. yeah. You yeah. Can do, the Johnny Cash Museum is right there, but yeah. if you want to go to Sun Records, you need to, yeah. You need to head west, young man. <laughs> but it was, uh, yeah, it, it, in Memphis, is beautiful. I mean, it's, it's, it's a little rundown, but the blues music there, the Delta blues is unbelievable. So we got down there, we did uh, two nights, we did three songs and it was the coolest I think experience of my career you're literally there I mean we did the, the tracking with everyone and then we did some overdubs which isn't uh, too original to Elvis and those guys but, well, but didn't Buddy Holly do overdubbing 
Uh, Buddy Holly did do overdubbing, yeah. yeah. He was the first one to start scoring his own music, too, for uh, violins. And, yeah. and he would put a lot of tricky chords in this, in this bubblegum pop that would, uh, when you study it, it's, it's, it's unbelievable. Buddy Holly is, he was definitely a genius of his, t- of his time. Um, and anyways, we'd be in the studio and I'd be there in the middle of the night doing vocal tracks and they'd yeah. turn the lights down and it'd be about two, three in the morning. And here I am and I'm looking at the wall at these pictures that were taken you know, As Elvis and these guys in the room, and you could literally feel the ghosts, and you just feel like, why I shouldn't be allowed in? <laughs> you're right. You almost feel like you're in, you're invading. Yeah, it's like being <laughs> in a museum. You know, like the, the Smithsonian lets you have you know go sit in uh, Amelia Earhart's airplane or something. It just feels like you shouldn't be there. Be there. <laughs> Somebody's gonna come and arrest me. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't. Yeah. You know, you just didn't feel worthy of it. But it was it was cool, and uh, the songs came out great, and um, and then put out one more. A few years later, we recorded up here and um, had Prince's drummer on there, Michael Bland. Um, he's a he's an awesome dude. He, he just is. no matter what temperature, it could be a hundred degrees out. He's gonna wear black, man. He, yep. and he's gonna yep. sweat. It's like, how are you not dying? Oh my god! And watching him drum, I mean, he came in. You know, we hired him, and he's he's listening on his headphones. He's like, "What song are we doing first? And tell him. And he literally is figuring it out as right before we go into the studio. Listens to about ten seconds. Goes, okay, I'm good walks out there gets behind the drums and just destroys it in one take and watching him drum too he's such a big guy he just i know he doesn't have to move yeah and the drum set's just shaking looks like a little you know kid drum set (laughs) um and the beats were just unreal so uh, that was pretty cool too that was where we uh, go i just shared another story about him we i went to uh the harriet island for the minnesota film the minnesota festival where they had soul asylum Hmm. and he was drumming for them and oh, yeah. yeah, Dave Perner got it. Goes, I just want to let everybody know we didn't rehearse with this guy. He just went <laughs> and he was kicking. <laughs> yep, yep, yep. He was definitely, I mean, he used to go, well, he probably still does. I don't know well, why, I don't know after COVID, but he used to go down to bunkers all the time. And was it Mambo's Combo or something? He would sit in, it was pretty much a jam band, and they would just improvise. And the guy is just a genius at, at, he's got, at drums, he's got natural rhythm. Yeah, with drumming for me, I didn't have that. I could never be clever. I would have to practice hard just to have it. But he just in her ear, and you know exactly one, two, three, boom, boom. You know that. Yeah, yeah. And fills that were unbelievable. And that was uh, that was uh, that was a fun time. That was Flower Studio, in Minneapolis. I, I don't know if they're still around. Polara opened it. If you remember that band at all, uh, they were in. A, yeah, they were. Gosh, a, yes, because they got confused. Like everybody called them Polaris. You remember them? Yeah, because they, they were, yeah, Polaris. Everybody, that's Polaris. No, we're Polaris. Right. Yeah, they, they started a studio, and I, I knew the guy when they used to play, and then they disappeared. They got a big contract with Universal, and it disappeared. And he told me, yeah, we went out there. We got, uh, you know, a big bonus to record. Uh, they put them on tour with Garbage in the late 90s. And, uh, and they had their record done. It was about to come out, and uh, Universal got a call their agents got a call from the president he said i got this new band i want you to put everything behind it and that band was smash mouth and the Uh record got put on the shelf and never got released so they came back with some of the money they had left and and uh, opened a studio here in minneapolis and uh yeah it was great that's the nature of it right oh it's this this if you signed your life away to a band it's our record label you know anything art i think i mean even even um you know, acting in film, you know, it gets it gets cutthroat and it gets ugly in certain settings. You know, 
Right. I know. Yes, I know. Yes, you know, probably, I'm sure. Right? Oh, yeah. gosh, yeah. Um, but one thing, we brought up Johnny Cash, and there's something I learned about Johnny Cash, even uh, just recently, maybe like like last couple of years, that he would, you know, when he would sing, he would sing on the side of his mouth. And what he did on the other side was suck in air. So he'd take a big draw of, of air, and he would not breathe for the oh, next wow. two and a half minutes singing. That is cool. So he would just, he must have had lung capacity of just, because that's well, he how he started his show, just, and just go for not breathing for another two minutes and 30 seconds, and yeah. then he would just do it again. And that's why he always looked like he's singing from the side of his mouth, because the other, he didn't want the breathing come on the microphone. Well, he was a, a very large man. I mean, what was he, 6'2", and, and, you know, I mean, just yeah. built like a, you know what, <laughs> House, and, uh, yeah. It, I also when I went to see uh, the movie of Hawking Phoenix playing Johnny Cash. Yeah, there's that scene where June kicks him out, played by Reese Witherspoon. She yep. kicks him out. Yes, she's had enough of him, and he goes live with Wayne Jennings. And I saw this, and I, when I saw that scene, I laughed out loud at the theater. And my wife, and everybody's looking at me. And I go, "That's not going to help your case, man." <laughs> <laughs> yep, yep. She's like, "Go search your life, get cleaned up," and he goes live with Waylon Jennings, and that's not a good call. No, no, that's, uh, <laughs> that's probably yeah. That's like going to live with Keith Richards when you're trying to sober <laughs> yeah, up. Yeah, go clean up. Yeah, I'm going to live with yeah, Keith Richards. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I heard an interesting story too when we were down there because a lot of the guys who worked, well, the engineer we worked with, at Sun. Uh, obviously was an expert on all these stories and uh, there's a famous picture that they had on the wall that was taken in the studio um, and, and people can find it they've probably seen it it's called the million dollar quartet and it's a picture of Elvis playing piano and you have Jerry Lee Lewis and Johnny Cash and I think uh, Carl Perkins was there too and they're all leaning in like they're doing you know, yeah. this like rally around the piano singing well if you look at the picture and you see Jerry Lee Lewis he's looking up and he's looking on top of the piano and the, the reason is, and people don't know this, is that Elvis had already been su- signed by CBS Records. He got too big, and uh, uh, Sam Phillips that owned Sun Records, he wasn't interested in being really big. So when somebody got big, he would usually sell them off. Um, yeah. And anyways, Elvis came into town for Christmas, and he stopped by the studio, and that's why everybody was there to say hi to Sam Phillips. They were all established at this point. And Elvis brought his uh, girlfriend at the time, and she sat on the piano, and she was wearing a short skirt, and she was laying on top of the piano as they're playing. And that's why Jerry Lee Lewis has this looking. look. Okay. If you go back and pull this picture up now, you'll see the look <laughs> on his eyes looking. And uh, that's what he's looking at. So Elvis and the women. So you are you still selling your albums? Are you selling records? You know, I don't. You can still find it. I sent you that link. Um, yeah, we'll put the link down below if anybody's yeah. curious. Yeah, yeah, that was uh, 2000. 13, I think I released that. And that was so Dan Wilson uh, helped me find a producer for it uh, here in town. And then um, and we got some good guys. Um, uh, of course, I'm going to I'm going to tick people off by not remembering names. But we had uh, some some great people work on that for engineering. Uh, and then we had Dave Collins um, out of L.A. do the mastering. And he did uh, E.T. He's done um, Weezer. Uh, yeah, you're, you're dropping names. And I'm kind of this like 182. So he yeah. did the mastering of all wow. that, and um, he did that was that was pretty cool. I remember they told me <laughs> they told me to give him a call, and they gave me his number because uh, they knew him. And I I remember holding the cell phone and just shaking, <laughs> and just going to you know, who am I to call this guy and uh, ask him to master my my album? But it was really cool. So the album came out great. It's called Before You Go. And uh, it's got, uh, it started with, I wrote one song about when my son was born 
and uh, called Copy of Love and just how that changed everything. It was kind of my take on John Lennon's Beautiful Boy and uh, and just the, the magic of that, that moment. And um, that sprung other songs and the album came about. And, yeah. yeah. So are you, do you, when you write music, do you do like legitimately write or are you just the tabs? Yeah, no, I, uh, <laughs> no, I just legitimately write. What I used okay. to do is, is I used to just, uh, well, of course I used to do pen and paper, just write down the lyrics and put the chords there. And then as technology yeah. progressed, you know, with, with uh, GarageBand and other recording programs, I could actually create even more because then I could record and try yeah. things, put the chords down. Uh, this album, before you go, I was able to write a full quartet in a couple of the songs in a string section, which I never in my you know, life would have been able to. I, I can't read or write music, and that would have been impossible for me to do. Yeah. Uh, but I was able to do that with the software. With technology. Right. I, I know. hear it. It's amazing that you could just, oh, nowadays you could just plug it in and your guitar will play it and it'll tell you what key it is, you know, yeah. the laptop or what. Yeah, it's humbling yeah. though, because I would get this and it would sound fantastic to me, you know. And of course it was crap because it was, you know, butchered and playing on a keyboard and I would bring it to the, 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 uh, the people we contracted to play the quartet. Hey, here you go. And then as I sent it to them, I listened to it and go, oh, these guys are going to laugh their butts off. You know, they're professional orchestra people and here i am with with my fingers you know the the two fingers tapping doing the finger uh chicken pecking yeah (laughs) they figured it out and uh and and it came out beautiful just uh just absolutely beautiful wonderful wonderful uh we're gonna take a little break and then um i'm gonna ask brian how do you got from music to acting in the not too distant future Following the rapid succession of World Wars 3 and 4, plus the hidden horrors of secret World War 2, there's not much left. All that remains is a place where folks get together to read and discuss comic books. Sometimes they laugh, sometimes they argue, but they always record and upload their transmissions. You've found one of those transmissions today. Welcome to The Last Comic Shop. Rate, review and subscribe to our weekly comic book reviews on all the major podcasting platforms at www.lastcomicshoppodcast.com Hi everybody, this is Nick from the St. Paul Filmcast, and I want to talk to you about a book that's available to pre-order. It's from a previous guest of the show and a good friend of the show, Dennis Vogan. Dennis is an acclaimed writer for many years, releasing novelas like Thea, Flipped, and Them, and creating comic books like uh, The Brush Fire and my personal fave, The Weirdos. Here he collects blogs, posts, essays, loose change from nearly half a decade. They cover experience spectrum of topics from combo books to sobriety from outer space to his dog pop culture spirituality nostalgia the multiverse and from joy to grief and everything in between you'll find that dennis vogan is a lot of things and for better or for worse and he has a lot to say check out the book it's called time is a solid state time is the solid state available on amazon or on his website dennisvogan.com check it out today Hi, everybody. This is Nick for the St. Paul Filmcast, and I want to talk to you about a great place here in the Twin Cities for your next social gathering event. It's the Serbian Hall in South St. Paul. The Serbian Hall in South St. Paul is now open. 
built in 1924. It is a unique historic venue, perfect to host your next wedding, social gathering, corporate event, or any kind of celebration. The hall has over 9,000 square feet of historic charm, perfect for your event. With a ballroom upstairs and a classic bar and reception downstairs, it has the flexibility to meet all your needs. From start to finish, to help you coordinate with every detail. Book now for 2021 graduations. Spaces are filling up fast. Visit their website, www.serbianhall.com. You can also find them on Facebook. They just can't wait to work with you. Your next social gathering event, think the Serbian Hall in South St. Paul. All right, we're back with Brian. Um, Brian, after music, it seems like you kind of transitioned into acting. So is that something that you always wanted to do? Is that something somebody kind of told you, hey, you know, why don't you try this? Because I would say even when you are doing music on stage, it's almost you are acting too a little bit. Yeah, yeah. yeah there's definitely a, a similar or similarity to it. Yeah. Um, at least for me with the art, you know, with, with music, especially being – not only the, the singer and in, in performing on stage, but as a writer, you're trying to capture these uh, emotions, either yours or the subject you're talking about. And uh, you tend to be, or at least, you know, I am, you know, very, uh, for lack of a better word, sensitive, you know, and you really feel these emotions of, of, uh, of, of the song that you hear. I mean, I, songs that have influenced me and, and then my music. And um, acting was very similar uh, of course i always loved film and cinema and there's movies that just i would get sucked into just like music and, and right yeah and you can yeah. take on the emotions that the characters had or that they were trying to portray and and, and uh, just i can't even count that's why i love when people say what's your favorite movie it's like well how can i i used to ask that i, I don't anymore because you know, right yeah. yeah it's how can you pick one i mean it depends on the week i mean i can list off some um, depending on, yeah, you know, how I'm feeling that day. But I, I always wanted to act. Um, I never was really too interested in theater. I did some in high school. But I wanted to be in movies. I wanted to do film and just thought that yeah. was not, you know, accessible. And, uh, and, and music was my passion for so long. I did music uh, for about 20 years, you know, from senior year and uh, into my career as a firefighter paramedic. Um, which I did with St. Paul, and uh, still did you know music a little bit then, and uh, I got into little parts of acting and helping out on some sets. I met some friends that did some of the indie films here, so that kind of got introduced right, yeah. me into the community here. And I thought, oh, so it is. There is a film community. There is here. some. Yeah, you know, there's not just Hollywood, and uh, and so they were they were pretty cool. They took me under their wing I did some small stuff then I, um, I remember I had well here's one of my favorite movies is yeah. I, I love anything Scorsese uh, his the music he uses uh, the soundtracks especially being a musician it's always blown me away yeah. the movies themselves um, are just they're dark but there's multiple layers to them 
And one of the movies of his I always loved was Johnny uh, Depp and, and uh, Donnie Brasco. Oh, yeah. I forgot and about that. Yeah. That was, it came out, Johnny Depp played, a, it's a true story. He was an FBI agent that was the first FBI agent to go undercover and get inside uh, the mafia in New York City and to actually get enough information and stay in there long enough to bring down quite a few yeah. of the people in that uh, organization. So that movie had Michael Madsen in it as well. He was in Kill Bill, uh, Reservoir Dogs, and in this movie he was phenomenal as well. <laughs> so I'm, I'm at home one day and I have my son and uh, I get a call and somebody says, hey, uh, we're going to be doing a film this afternoon, uh, a scene, and Michael Madsen's flying in for it. Do you want to be in it <laughs> right yeah yeah and I, you know after i after i changed my pants i, <laughs> right, I ran yeah. you know next right, door yeah, yeah. and i yeah. uh, went up to my neighbor and uh, i could just imagine how bad i was pleading for you know hey can you watch my son and uh rushed over to this airport and uh, did some stunt driving uh for this suv in the film and uh, jesse mast uh, did this film by the way and um all of a sudden, uh, here comes a car, and it's uh, Michael Madsen gets out, and um, uh, I try not to look like a, a fool being a fan, and um, <laughs> he was actually super nice. We sat, we talked, God, forever, uh, about Donnie Brasco, about acting, about where he came from, from Chicago, and why he moved to L.A., and uh, how he never took acting lessons, because he just figured, I'm just being me, and... Um, it kind of shows. Yeah, yeah. You guys kind of have right. the same character in every film, but well, yeah, he does it well. Usually, you go acting. You, you you want to keep a little bit of yourself in every role a little bit, right? Yeah, yeah, you really do. You want to get that script down, but then you and be that character. But then when when you're filming, you want to be you doing it. Um, yeah, and 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 that was the first person you know who kind of gave me some instruction on that, and uh, very nice guy, and we we hung out uh, there and then at another set and watched him. Uh, he showed me how he was going to act when he was supposed to get shot. And just to watch him mime his body contort, you know, it looked ridiculous. And I remember watching and just going, God, this looks ridiculous. But I'm like, this is how it's done. So I, I paid attention and, and took mental notes of how he did it and then saw the playback and it was unreal. You know, it just looked like out of a, a Tarantino film, how he moved his body and, and was able to do it. So I got some tips on the physical uh, acting from well, him. I greatly appreciate because he had to do it in my film. Yeah, <laughs> and I actually used it for that. Yeah, yep. I remember. I went back in my mental notes. I'm like, okay, um, yours. I think was the first or second film I had to uh, get Fall. shot in. Yeah, and um, I, you know, I still haven't seen it, so I hope it it looks good where I got shot. Oh gosh, yes, it does. Yeah, and, and believable. Um, <laughs> yeah, so that yeah. was that was fantastic. So from there, I uh, I, I ended up retiring from firefighting uh, in 2017, and um, you know, relatively young um, for it. And uh, because of that, I was able to um, uh, have the ability to kind of venture out and explore some things. And so I got more into acting full time. Um, I was uh, lucky enough to get a big role from Nathan Black and Wes Johnson in uh, Tribulations, was a, a movie a couple of years ago in Z-Fest. That short film, yeah. Yeah, yeah. and um, that kind of opened the door uh, to meeting more people, getting um, more people saw my, my, my skill and, um, and have been busy nonstop. Uh, no, yeah, I think you were in um, the, the full-featured uh, ballad of Travis Hunter, right? 
So you're gonna be yes. in that. One. You're gonna be in that one as yeah, a record that producer. Was, uh, yeah, that was. Yeah, Cole gave me a great, uh, a great character for that film. That was the first time I got to do uh, a, a comedy uh, character, Chet Wilkerson. <laughs> Um, and uh, this is a guy, he's uh, a, a Southern uh, record executive uh, who is uh, the character's uh, record agent, and he's very sleazy. He's kind of the Tom Cruise from Tropic Thunder, if you remember that movie. You know? and, uh, <laughs> a little bit oily. It is great. I got yeah. to you know slick my hair back and just become somebody, not me. These, these big glasses and gold yeah. chain hanging off and just uh, talk with the Southern accent and... Uh, yeah, it was, it was fun. It was comical. I was uh, I was on the floor. I'll give you a little. I'll give you a little insight. I was your caddy in that scene at the golf course. You were so good as a caddy. I recognize <laughs> you. <laughs> I, now that's I, true, I, I true method acting. No, I didn't want to bring it because we did the movie site. I didn't want to bring it up. Like, hey, do you remember me? I was your caddy because I was like, I'll, when, I'll get him on the show. I'll mention it to him. But yeah, I was the I was your caddy, and you were using my golf clubs in that scene. Oh, it was a, that was a, a great film to work on. Everybody yeah. was was really uh, fantastic. Right? Jelanta yeah, Jelanta was, was uh, my Jelanta cinema, was yeah awesome in that. Yeah. The crew was good because I just had I was shooting another film at the same time, and I just came from shooting from. Uh, all night till I think three, four in the morning, and took basically you know a couple hours nap. So did uh, oh, who do we have? Who was um, one of the camera guys? Uh, Zach. And, uh, right. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Zach was also shooting this other film, so we both were going on a couple hours of sleep. And uh, I re- one of the people on the crew, uh, I told them about that, and they ran and got me like three Red Bulls. <laughs> for the day and I, I mean I could have I could have kissed them I was so happy uh, and it was it was great it was a fun time uh, yeah Travis Hunter I, I think can't it, wait to see that is it going to come this fall I think Cole said it might around this fall we're gonna, I don't know okay he's he's really put a lot of work into it so I can only right yeah I can only dream of, of when we can see it it'll be fantastic so it's called The Ballad of Travis Hunter it's a full feature film it's kind of a western kind of the um, uh, rock country uh, outlaw country kind of a thing right right, right. Out, outlaw country kind of the homage to that yep. if I remember which Cole I think really loves yeah. that outlaw country yeah, I, he, so. he Cole's, Cole's great to work with he, he I was fortunate enough to, to do a short part in another film uh, Chase I believe is the name of it oh yeah Chase with a it's uh C-H-A-S-T-E. Yes. I get confused. It's a T at the, in there. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And that was, he called me up. They had a, uh, they needed to fill a spot. Somebody got sick and, and asked me to do the role last minute. Uh, was more than happy to work with him again. And, and again, he's given me such challenging roles that <laughs> I, I, I love that. I love to, you know, I usually get kind of typecasted already to, you know, doing a mob character or, right. or, um, you know, a, an ex-boyfriend or, or something like that. And this was an ch- opportunity to do something different. You know, one was that record executive sleazy guy. And and the other one was uh, the last minute one. He was a father uh, in a flashback who is abusive and an alcoholic. And I had to do this scene, uh, you know, Cole, if you're listening, I won't divulge too much. <laughs> no. I promise, right. but uh, I, it you probably will be listening, right? You know, there Hi, was Cole. there was a, there was the the, uh, the the child, the eight year old, and he was a great actor and um, fantastic kid. He was there on set, and I had to do. I read the script, read what I had to do, and just be this just nasty, nasty 
abusive alcoholic father and I love nothing more in, in this life than my my, my own children right. and to do this role you have to find somewhere and to, to decide and just be you yeah. know, once once I go into character it's like I don't judge what they do ethically or morally it's that's the character so yeah. I have to push my own morals and ethics out and just this is what they do and for them this is normal this is justified in their head so but it was still challenging yeah right. to do and um I think it turned out great. Did you keep your beard? Um, Usually abusive alcoholic father has like unkept beard. Yeah, yeah. I think he, yeah. he wanted yeah. me to keep like the five o'clock shadow. <laughs> right. A lot of times yeah. they, people ask me to do that. It's rare that they want me clean, clean shaven. <laughs> and because um, I look too, I think I look too baby face with that. So uh, after my film, you did a movie called Vengeance. Can you talk a little bit about that? Because the trailer just dropped as we were recording. Uh, Vengeance. Because you... Yeah. Give a little bit of what that's about. Yeah, the uh, the teaser came out just last night, uh, coincidentally. So that was um, that. I got a phone call. Uh, this is one of those unbelievable moments. I was really uh, fortunate to get. I had um, I had casted for a film of theirs that I'd forgotten about uh, with this company, and uh, that's owned by uh, uh, the writer and director Thor, and. Um, and uh, his name uh, is Thor Moreno, Thor Moreno and uh, and Annette Duffy. And uh, they own they own this company. I casted with them and I'd forgotten about it. And um, they called me up or, or I got an email from Annette and uh, on my uh, from one of my acting sites and said, would you be interested in a feature film? Please let us know ASAP. So I reached out to her, got a little bit of the story. I'm getting ready to go pick up my kids from school. So I'm kind of rushing. She emails back. She says, well, I'm going to have the director call you. And uh, is that okay? And he's from L.A., blah, 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 blah. So I'm, I'm like, yeah, sure. Have him, have him give me a call. Yeah, and in my right. head, I'm, I'm uh, you know, going, oh, my God. You know, where, where's this? What do I do? What, what did I do wrong? Movie? It's out of state. It's a feature film. I, you know, I'm, tr- I'm, I'm trying to figure this out. Is this legit? You know, all these thoughts are running through your head. Right. So Thor gives me a call uh, when I have my kids. Uh, and I remember we talked about the film, and he said, "I'm making this film. It's uh, it's an undercover narc agent, and um, he's kind of messed up in the head from some things that have happened. He wants out of it, and he gets talked into doing one more undercover uh, assignment, and that's to take down the biggest you know, drug king- kingpin in uh, in the city that he's been working." And so I said, well, yeah, it sounds fantastic. Send me, send me the script. And he says, the thing is, is I'm going to need you next week. The guy that we had playing this role uh, broke his leg, unfortunately. So we need to fill it, and we need you next week in, uh, in Des Moines. And not break your leg. And not break your leg. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, yes. So I got home. Yeah. I, I, I downloaded the, uh, the script, and it was so intense that – it looks from the trailer. I say the trailer. It looks intense. I couldn't yeah. put it down. You know, my kids were playing, and I read through the thing in, in, in twenty five minutes from front to cover. I, it was one of those things where I usually will skim a script, you know, and, and get the gist right. of it. I'm guilty of that too, right? Yeah, yeah. and just go, yeah, yeah, it looks pretty good, and I'll dive into the, I'll, I'll get into the guts of it later. This I could not put down. It was literally crap. What's he gonna do? You know, what's gonna happen? I need to see this and. Read the whole thing. Called him back. I said, I read the script. He said, you read the script? <laughs> the whole thing? I said, yeah, yeah, yeah. I couldn't put it down. I said, I'm in. And uh, I said, uh, I'll be there. And 
So you're the, you're you're. I just want to clarify to everybody. You're the lead. You're yeah. vengeance. Yes. You're the title. Yeah. So yeah. Uh, I was very humbled that they gave me that opportunity. Uh, Thor has been in in the industry for a long time. He's done a lot of work here and in L.A. Uh, and he working with him has been uh, a great experience. I mean, he, he's he's just a creative genius in the 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 vision that he has when he's filming um, is, is like nobody I've worked with. And just to watch how this, how this came about and then to see that teaser last night, it's just blowing me away. And, uh, cause there's no chill in it. Even when it ha- looks like there's a little bit of calm, uh, that's a, f- that's, that, there doesn't, and I know there's a, just a condensed format, but yeah. Yeah. It no, looks like, were, I like the flavor that you're sending. Yeah. It's, yeah. it's, it's, it's definitely that I was down there. So the last, so we're down there for about a month um, shooting this thing, and, and I was down there the last week. I was there. It was we were doing twelve-hour days. Uh, we God felt like we were driving all over freaking Iowa, shooting. We'd shoot, move, shoot, move, shoot, move. And uh, I remember by the end of the day, the first day, I'm like, oh, I'm so beat physically and emotionally because there were these intense, nonstop action, big emotion. Right. And then I'd look at the next day's script as I'm laying in bed, getting ready for the to, to get up early for that shoot, and it'd, it'd be again, nonstop, <laughs> intense action, fight scenes, drama, just. And every day was like that. I get to Thursday, and I'm like, I am absolutely freaking drained, <laughs> and I'm like, we have to be done with all the in, insane, you know, drama, action. Right. Well, be- next day, you know, this is happening. You know, the the, the you know school bus is on fire with kids. You know, I mean, I mean example. <laughs> right. I. And, I, uh, I <laughs> And every day was like they got to hang from the bridge tomorrow. It is one of those jobs, uh, especially this film, where showing up every day was I could not wait. I hated being at the hotel. I hated waiting in the morning. You know, we started shooting usually around noon, and I just wanted to get there and just work. I I have to say, making movies, the waiting is agitating. Yeah, because even if you're a director or a production, you have to set up the scene and you make sure everything's right. Yeah. And there's yeah. just a lot of downtime where you just like, ah, just do it. I'm ready. You know. Yeah, and I had that with uh, with music too, but even more so with with film. You know, and with with music, I'd be backstage like, hurry up, let me out there, like a caged animal. But there was a, there was a good energy. Now, um, you know, I have some some uh, anxiety and some you know some old you know stuff from uh, from my years as being a paramedic that that I deal with, and and the waiting, the anxiety. It's almost you know it just gets unbearable. Yeah. I want to hurry up and be on that set and shooting and then it's just yep. all gravy you know once I'm there it's the worst you know when I have to read football for 20 years the 15 minutes before game time is the most aggravating it's yeah. just, especially if you're going to referee a game where there's like 40,000 people in the stands and it's not going to be quiet yeah. you know everybody else is amped up and you have to be the chill Yeah, here's yeah. the five guys that just got to calm Everybody else is just screaming at you and screaming and screaming that you have to be the calm. Yeah, that's pretty. And then after the first play, after kickoff, it, you'd settle into your mechanics. We call it mechanics. Get, yeah. get your mechanics down. Yep. And yep. then you had your jurisdiction. You're Stay in your lane. Pilot. Yeah. And worry about, worry about your job. Yeah. Which that's, is that's the, best, that's the funniest thing about referee. It is usually it's the person making the bad call across the field. That you're gonna get yelled at for, like I yeah. know I didn't do it. Yeah, yeah, it's not me. <laughs> it's not me, right? I did the second yeah. hardest thing too is is, is um, with with any film is trusting the director. I mean, even when we worked on Cycle, you know, it's um, 
that the take was good, that it looked good, that you did good. And, you know, because as an actor, all artists, you would keep doing the scene all day long, frontwards and backwards, you know, right, recording yeah. music too. It was like you had to know when to stop. So you have to trust the director <laughs> to say, it's good, let's move on. And Thor was so unique in that we would do a scene, you'd have everything set, we'd go, and you'd do one, maybe two takes. We're good, move on. And, I mean, we had a budget, obviously, that, that they were very, you know, concerned with because this was a big feature film with investors. And so we had to manage the time. But I would look and I would say, are you sure? Are you sure? Can I see the playback? And, and rarely he would. And eventually he stopped showing me the playback. He's like, you know what? You're going to trust me because you're going to get too self-conscious. I'm not showing you the playback. Yeah. And so I had to learn to trust him and learn to trust myself, which was a huge learning curve. You know, he said, trust yep. me that I'm going to make sure that you're doing it right. And um, so I learned a lot from him. And uh, I think and it comes from another thing of from referee training is we're moving on. It's the one thing we tell everybody: we're moving on. Yeah. If it's bad, so what? We're moving on. You're always going to think you yeah. could have done it a little bit better. Oh yeah, I always. Or yeah. I could make that 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 one word sound better, or I could make that shot that uh, that angle better, or I could have done that movement better. Uh, so yeah. To I've, know when to say when and just. Let, let I could go back to my comic book, my 300-page comic book, and go back and depict and clean yeah. up. and Yeah, but I, I have to go back to my old training that I taught other people. We're moving on. Yep. It's the way it is, and let's leave it. Yep. Moving up. Yep. It. It's hard. I know, I, especially when you want to get something, because you're really invested. You really like what you're doing, and it's like, really want to sell it, and it's just like, we're moving on. What? Right. <laughs> I think I got a better one. We got to go. Yeah, it's somebody like, told God. me once, it's, it's, art is never complete. It's yeah. never finished. It's just you have to get to the point that you can look at it and go, this is the best I can do, and, and then walk away from it. And that's the hardest thing to do. I know. that walk, yeah, We're all done, and then we're never going to see each other really again. Yeah. yeah. We're at, what? That, we're, bye. See you later. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. I, um, it's yeah. hard, especially when I take writing classes. It, the hardest thing I ever come up with is what's the end? Because the end is not really an end. It can go on. You know, yeah. You can sit and do forever on it. And, oh, yeah. What's the end? And then you just have to figure out what's a good time. I never, when I write, I go, when's to stop? I don't say the end. I go, when's to stop? Mm. Because I know the story could always continue on. Yeah. So. And it's, it's hard. And, it, and then when you see your stuff, too, on, on a film, and you see it come out, uh, and, you know, I think a lot of us are highly self-critical, and that's part of being... Well, I know Tim Burton can't watch his own films. I, yeah, I'm almost, <laughs> I, I almost was at that point. It's, 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 it's hard because you just see it, and... I have to watch it a few times before I can say, okay, I'm happy with it. The first time I see it, this is one of the rare ones, this one for My Name is Vengeance, uh, the, the teaser. That one I liked right away. But the first time he sent me a clip, and he really loved it, and this was a month ago, I was like, my God, I absolutely suck. And uh, I should not be in this film. And he's like, no, it's great. What are you talking about? And I'm like, oh, I can't watch this. You know, it took a week off, played it again. Uh, yeah, this is actually it's good. Yeah, and it's that I, I I'm I'm saying yeah because I have I'm I'm kind of in that same boat of God, this looks awful. Come back to it and take a different look at it, yeah. you know, and, and or don't watch it. <laughs> no, I mean you want to you do want to see you want to be proud of your work, so you, yeah. you got to come back and take a different look at it. I know it's hard to me to look at old films because you referee a game on your college football game, and then you go back the next day with your everybody in your critique. 
Yeah. Was that the right call and everything? And you're like, I don't know about myself. I don't right. know. Well, we kind of grow up with being, you know, fed that you should be humble and you shouldn't be, you know, you should be kind of shy of your work. You know, if you're too proud of your work, you're too cocky or too arrogant, yeah. you know, but it's, a, there's a, you know, you can be, you can be proud of your work and, and proud of what you do without being, you know, cocky and egotistical. I think there's yeah. a fine balance, but yeah, you can definitely go the opposite and be overly critical and, you know, that will hit want to have it too. perfect perfect and hit perfect all the time which yeah. is i fight that all the time it's not it's we can we can strive for it we're never going to really hit it yeah and usually per, somebody says that's a perfect film it's usually a little bit of luck involved a little bit of just the right timing and everything especially a film it's all about the right timing get right. it to the right spot get it everything right to make it look good because it's a fine line between something it really is a fine line between something be really really awful to something being really good and it's a, it's a risk business it is it is it's a risky thing and i always like when you say we can make a movie we don't know how it's gonna be perceived i don't know how it's gonna turn out it could be the greatest thing ever it could be the most awful thing who we don't know but yeah. we should have fun and enjoy doing what we're doing that's just it yeah. and you gotta go with what you like you know I, I, yeah. I i'm lucky enough where i take the scripts where they have to jump out at me and they have to have something unique about them there's there's a lot of castings out there that seem very similar to me so like yeah. when i read cycle you know the reason i jumped on board with that was it was so unique and so different and had um uh just a a a, a, a whole different vision of how a movie should be and you you had different angles and you had different ways you could see it and different this and that and it was so unique i was like i gotta be on board and cool and yeah. um that's when i'll do it i've turned down some just because they're not unique they seem too generic um but you can yeah. take a generic or an overdone story and you can flip it and add twists to it like you did with cycle yeah. well and it, yeah. it'll make it its own thing and it'll make it unique and i love that i did one for uh, northwestern university for free the one in st paul yeah yeah, it was in, the campus, uh, yeah. The campus in st paul yeah and they called me up and they wanted me to do um this short that they were doing for the intro of their film festival and it was an action stunt intro they wanted it to be kind of like mission impossible and you know i was busy i had a lot going on but they sent me the clip they sent me what they wanted to do and i thought well it sounds cool i'll take the chance you know and i don't have much action uh, at that time in my reel yeah so I did it. I signed up, and I figured, well, I'm taking a chance. It's two days out of my life. It's either going to end up cool, and I can at least use some for my clip, or it's going to suck, and I, you know, I wasted two days, whatever. <laughs> and um, it got some practice. You know, it's everything yeah. is a practice. You know, every job. Every oh, I agree. Yeah, yeah. Yep. So I went out there. We did the uh, we did two days of it, and they had me jump, uh, you know, from green screen moving cars, uh, crack two ribs, actually. Shut up! Really? Yeah. yeah. And. Uh, what? <laughs> two ribs on each side no just uh, one on each side one on each side My i God. was jumping from a suv uh, running board to a park. that is the most painful thing because every breath you take it's like ow oh yeah yeah it, and then you it, exhale ow it wasn't until i got home so i kept jumping onto this cadillac and i had the luggage rack yeah. this little car and i kept landing on the roof we did like six takes and my chest would hit right on the edge of the roof rack and uh, I also had to jump from the Cadillac to the edge board of the SUV, slipped off, and banged up my shin, you know. And um, Well, this is good practice. It was great practice. You know, but I had that, that guy egotistical thing. almost the little boy where I got home, and I'm like, yes, 
Yeah. I'm beat to hell. I got broken <laughs> ribs. I had to stop on the way home and buy a cane at Walgreens because I couldn't walk on that leg. And so I'm hobbling around the house and my son was there and I'm thinking, this is bad. This is awesome. <laughs> you know? And uh, I paid my dues. And every, all my acting friends are like, you moron. You know, they have <laughs> right. insurance. What were you thinking? You know, you're going to get, you're going to break your leg or who's going to cover this and that. And there's a scene where we were driving down the road and I had to open the door from, from the outside of the SUV and jump in and, Oh, did you have a safety harness? Well, no. No. You idiot. <laughs> you know, I know it was not the smartest thing to do, uh, but it turned out. Did it look great? Unbelievable. It, it turned out uh, way better than I could have imagined. A very talented uh, group of students that have just graduated. So hopefully we'll uh, see. Do you have a title? It's, um, you know, they didn't get a title. title. It was the action yeah. scene opener for their okay. uh, big film festival. Oh, I get it. What it is, it's like a bleed in. Yeah. yeah, I'll send it to you. You can post it. Uh, sure. We'll post the link to it. And it's it's only like, uh, I want to say five minutes long, but it's yeah. again nonstop action. And uh, it, it turned out really good. Well, I, I want to bring up because we're surrounded by comic books, which are really defined good and evil, really are clear, you know, especially in the superhero world, they're really defined what's good and bad. And usually when I write stories, I try to keep that don't really know. Especially from like my my film cycle, like who is really the bad guy? Yeah, who is really the good guy? And I try to keep that undefined because I really like to keep it grounded. Like, but you know, a little more reality. Who like who is a really good person? Sometimes you can be a good person do awful things, and yeah. you can be really evil and do good things. And so I usually keep that, especially in my like my book, The Greenway. I try to like what it what if the bad guy is actually doing heroic things, right. and the good guy is really doing awful things? It's kind what of would subjective. you? Yeah, so we kind of I always look for keeping that undefined and make sure the audience maybe wants to interpret it that way. Right. And that's what I did with Psycho. We have three characters. Who's the most awful person? We don't, you know, we don't really know, you know, where's, where's the love? We don't really know Mm -hmm. we can, somebody can debate that between what is the real love story there? What is the real trauma there? What is the real bad guy there? And even what's going on with, uh, was it Clay, the, the, the husband? Oh yeah, Corey. Yeah, Corey. Yeah, yeah. You, you don't know is he is he stuck in purgatory? What's what's going on with this? You know, and uh, yeah, yeah. I don't want to give too much away, but you you have no idea, and and that is what's cool about it. And in my name is Vengeance, my character Brad, um, you're you're left with the same thing through this film. That's why I couldn't put it down too. Is he's he's in these situations where is he the is he the bad guy? Is he getting sucked into this life of of being in this uh, drug dealing culture. Yeah, almost and like Donnie Brasco, right? Yeah, like yeah. Donnie Brasco and, 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 and just extreme violence and he's getting sucked into it and you're watching it and you don't know, is he is he the bad guy? Is he still a cop? Is he gone rogue? Is he and uh, yeah. and then there's a pretty good twist in that movie. Good. I love that. I love that. Yeah. Yeah. I love the this I love the action because we all love those actions and blows ups and gunfire gonna play but we have a little bit let's something unique about it instead of doing yeah. the same cardboard carbon copy let's do something unique about it yeah i'm yeah. really looking forward to see that yeah me yeah. too um thanks for coming brian yeah well thanks for having me this is fantastic we have to have a you have to have come back anytime, yeah. anytime. i don't know you have to bring your guitar maybe we can yeah we could, <laughs> we could do some johnny cash down johnny. Here. <laughs> <laughs> yeah ab- absolutely anytime Ah, right. So, uh, Brian should know it's not over till the guests say it's over. And it's over. There we go.
kiss me 